guys. So uh, this is fun, huh? We're having a good time, right? Uh, at least you'll never, you'll never suspect that we're professionals. So we got that going for us. And uh, yeah, if you even heard any of the previous live stream, uh, you're going to have to just sit through a little bit of repetition. I'm sorry about that. I hope that's okay. But uh, I want to make sure that all the information is communicated. So uh, I want to make sure everything is streaming well right now as well. So I'm stalling for time, just, just a little bit, to, to give us time to check everything. And I'm looking, nobody cares. All right, anyway, so um, today has just been absolute chaos for us, as I'm sure you can tell. Um, some of you are like, Kai Alpha was supposed to start 30 minutes ago, and I was supposed to be at the church, and like we're supposed to be like wrapping up worship right now, and like crying because the Lord moved, and it was awesome, but I'm not, so Why? Well, uh, let me explain that why. It's because um, we, we just got hit with a ton of COVID cases, to be perfectly honest. Um, there are seven of us uh, that have tested positive, and then there's another three of us that are, um, that are uh, showing symptoms but haven't gotten test results back yet. And, and so um, what that means is there's essentially like uh, 10% of us that, that are confirmed, like... Or, or may have it, that's, that's about 10% that show up on a Tuesday night. And, and then there's many more of us, perhaps a couple dozen of us, that have been exposed to these people. Uh, so we thought it was just really wise to just, hey, let's, let's just spread out. Um, so the Native Americans, uh, whenever they would have an outbreak of uh, a disease like smallpox or something like that, they would just burn down the village and leave. And so that's kind of how I feel right now. Let's just burn it down and leave. We'll try again later. Um, but, but seriously, um, you, you probably need to get tested. <laughs> and, and we need to take this thing pretty seriously. Uh, because here's the deal. Um, the latest that I've, I've heard, and I, I spoke to a nurse that works at a hospital. Just so you know, I'm not just like, I'm not Googling COVID stuff and reading off of like Uncle Jim's you know, informationemporium.net, you know, like I'm, I'm actually talking to a professional. And um, what we were told is that the incubation period for COVID can be anywhere between three and 14 days, um, or, or two and 14 days, three, something like that, right? But it's huge. Uh, you can compare that to influenza, which a lot of people have been comparing COVID to influenza. Uh, the flu virus incubates about 48 hours. So you get contact about two days later, you're going to know if you have it. Whereas corona, you can have it, be able to spread for up to 14 days, right? And, and that's if you show symptoms at all. One of our good friends got the virus and quarantined and showed zero symptoms, right? And so that's what's scary about this. And that's why this whole school year, we've been like, hey, let's mask up. Let's sanitize our hands. Let's, let's uh, social distance and contact trace. Because we've had other instances where somebody will have it and we'll just quarantine that whole contact group, that whole bubble, and we've been able to contain, but, but we just haven't been able to this time. It's just, it's just spreading that much, guys. Um, I don't know if you've seen the numbers like locally. We've had one of the highest days we've had on record, 108 new cases uh, today. Um, Nationally, we're setting new records, and globally, we're, sh we're setting new records. Um, France, Germany, Czech Republic, the UK, they're all going back into lockdown. And I don't know how much longer we have if people don't start just 
caring for each other. Because that's the solution here, is just love your neighbor as yourself, wear a mask, you know? I'm, I'm willing to bet that I'm going to be okay if I get coronavirus. But I'm not willing to bet my neighbor's life on that. I'm not willing to bet your life on it. And that's the attitude we need to take. Is coronavirus a big deal? Maybe not for you, but maybe for somebody else. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, do not let your freedom become another man's chains. And that's what we need to do here. That's how we need to handle this, right? Um, the good news is that there's free testing, right, everywhere. Like, they, they passed a law saying that you, will get, you can get tested for free, so you don't have to worry about that. If you're uninsured or, you know, you're not a student or you're getting dropped by your parents' insurance or whatever, you can get tested, so go and do that. Uh, you can look up the locations. I think Shannon has two locations now in San Angelo. So go and do that. Um, lastly, you're probably thinking, because I am definitely thinking about it, what does this mean for Missions Week? Because we're one week away. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It looks like we're just going to have to pull the plug. And that really stinks. We're working out other options, um, but it's, it's highly unlikely that we're going to be able to do Missions Week like we did last year. Um, we might push it off to next semester, we might go virtual, we're, we're weighing all the options. Um, don't worry, all the money that you have given so far towards that missions offering, we're not going to spend. <laughs> like, if you, you're not going to see me driving around on like a new motorcycle or something, so don't worry. Um, we're we're going to keep that money for the missions offering either next semester or whenever we're able to do it, right? And we're going to bless these missionaries, right? We already had one missionary couple that had to drop because coronavirus is just surging in their area and their state is going into lockdown. And that's just, that's the reality of the world that we're in right now. Thankfully, 2020 only has about two months left. Praise God, right? Um, so that's really depressing. And I'm not super excited. Um, but there is something that has been picking me up, right? Memes. It's like 2020's aspirin. You know, like, what's the painkiller for 2020? Memes. And I have been stuck on this one meme in particular, and I love this meme because it's like this synergy of two different things that just kind of linked up and gave each other a greater, grander meaning. And it's awesome, right? So first, it started out with this stupid video that I saw of this cat headbanging to techno music. And I think we can show you what that's like right now. Why is that hilarious? I don't know, but I love it. I absolutely love that cat. I want to be that cat, right? And then there was this other video of some dude just playing a djembe in a park. And I don't know what language he's speaking, and he could be saying some really vulgar things in a foreign language, so I'm sorry. Uh, but this is, this is another half of it that I thought was awesome, right? Right? That dude's just jamming out in the park, right? And so some internet genius decided to put the two, like the mighty centaur, being both horse and man, combined them and made this meme centaur, and it's amazing, okay? You gotta check it out. It, it 
it just gets me every time. I don't know why it's so funny, and you probably don't think it's funny, but to me, I laugh every time. I think I had that on loop for about five straight minutes, and like Harold and Henry were just laughing, and it was awesome. So the reason why I showed you that is because it kind of highlights this thing that happens in the parable that we're going to look at, right? Is that Jesus takes these two concepts and merges them together and, and just helps inform so much of what's happening in this parable. And it's incredible. So I wanted that in your head, first, to introduce the concept, to, uh, second, to... to um, to have you something, have something happy in the back of your mind to reference as we read this parable, because it's a heavy one, right? So open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to look at verses 31 through 46. If you don't have your Bibles with you, then it should be appearing on your magic screen. All right, let's read. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick and in prison, and did not help you? And he will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Lord, I pray that you would um, help us just calm ourselves and, and shut out the chaos that's, that's just been upsetting just about everything that we've been trying to do, Lord. We just desperately want to be together, but we can't right now. So Lord, I pray that your spirit would fall upon each of us, Lord, and let us feel your presence, and let us feel unity, and let us feel fellowship even through a live stream, God. Father, we give you the right to speak to our hearts and change our minds. Lord, adjust our attitudes as you see fit. You are our king, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I told you that was a hard parable, right? Um, apparently, these are the only kind of parables that I can find and preach out of, so no one's, no one's surprised. But this is a really important parable because it's the last parable in the book of Matthew. Like, this is it. This is Matthew's emphatic exclamation point right before Jesus goes in 
to his Passion Week and demonstrates all the things that he's been preaching, this is Matthew saying, here's the last thing that we need to know. Because the parables, if you remember, right, are all about Jesus and his role in the kingdom of God, right? And the parables aren't necessarily about us. It's about what Jesus is doing, right? We remember that. Now, contextually, this chunk of Scripture, Matthew 23, chapter 23 to about the end of 25, is the last of the five great discourses of Jesus that Matthew records, right? Um, There's a little bit of debate of whether or not you want to include chapter 23 with it, but I do because I think it informs everything. Um, But this is his last kind of big speech, right? And it's focused on on these two kind of main ideas, right? Chapter 23 is largely about hypocrisy, right? And chapter 24 is about Jesus' return and judgment, okay? And then chapter 25 gives us parables that illustrate those two main points. There's also a parable right at the end of chapter 24. It's kind of buried in there. You have to look for it. Um, it, It starts in verse 45, And it talks about a servant or a slave that is given the management of a household, right? And this slave, Jesus is using him as as an example, right? There's there's a good slave that manages the household and cares for everybody. He, He feeds them when they need to be fed, and he gives them what they need when they need it, right? He takes care of the household, and then the master returns and and blesses them and says, hey, you're in charge of a lot of things now, right? And Jesus juxtaposes that against the evil slave or servant, right, that hoards all the food for himself and gets drunk and abuses people, right? And he doesn't care for those that have been entrusted to his care. And then Jesus throws, like, in verse 51, it says, you will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. Wow. So that says something about being hypocritical, number one, right? But, but that's how serious Jesus takes this, right? And then the next parable we run into is the parable of the ten virgins, right? And then briefly, this is a parable, and this is all for context. We'll get to the main point, I promise, right? This is a parable about a group of wise and a group of foolish virgins, right? And, and what it is, it's a wedding celebration, and at that time, the groom would go and build a house during the engagement period, right? So some of y'all are happy that you're engaged right now, and you don't have to build a house. That's fantastic. And I'm really happy because that house would collapse, and we would die if I had to build it. But anyway, but the groom would go and build a house, and then there would be a procession where all his friends and all of the bride's friends would get together, the families would get together, and they'd march from the house that the groom built over to the bride's house, and they'd pick her up, and they'd throw a big party, and then they'd walk back. And that's what's happening here. But the groom took too long, and so some of the wedding party ran out of oil for their lamps, and then they missed the coming of the groom, and they were locked out. The next one is the parable of talents, which Andrew talked about a couple weeks ago. But essentially, this is just these servants that are entrusted with things and then judged for what they did with them. Right? And so these parables each kind of speak to us about different areas. One is about caring for those that God has put around us. The other is about staying diligent and being wise and and staying on task and focused on what is important, what we should be doing. And the last one is what do we do? with what we're given, right? 
and all these threads coalesce into this parable of the sheep and the goats, right? So you can read through the other parables and you can say, well, what does it mean? What are we supposed to do? What does it mean to invest my talent that God has given me? I don't want to bury it in the dirt, but how do I make it grow? Well, Jesus here, he's showing us, right? What does it look like to invest the talents, the things that God entrusts us? Well, you care for the people around you, right? Just like that good servant managed the household well and took care of everybody, that's what we are supposed to do according to the parable of the sheep and the goats. You see, the king comes back and he separates, right? He separates everybody. All the nations are gathered and he separates everybody. Sheep on the right, goats on the left, right? And in verse 34, he, he speaks to the sheep and he says, you are blessed, You are blessed. But in what way are they blessed? See, I know for me, in my mindset, I think blessing is like, man, I won the lottery. That's a blessing, right? But no, Jesus has this other standard for blessing. His standard for blessed, how do you know you are blessed, is revealed in verse 35. He has this connecting statement. You know, this little preposition, for. That connects those two thoughts. So you that are blessed, come into my joy because I was hungry, right? And their blessedness is revealed not by what they are given, like we would think, but what they give. Did you see that? Their blessedness is revealed not by what they are given, but by what they give. And conversely, the goats are cursed not because of of getting like some plague of Egypt or like locusts or whatever. No, they're, they're considered cursed because of what they did not give, because of what they withheld. So the implication of this is that in Jesus' mind, in the economy of the kingdom of God, the, the idea of blessing has more to do with the outflow of your life, the actions you take, the choices you make, and not what you're given from God above. So how do you reveal to the world that you are a blessed son or daughter of the king? You give. You care for his household. You stay on point, on task. You invest well and grow his kingdom. But who? Who do we care for? Who is this household, right? Well, Jesus helps us understand that in verse 40. He says, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. See, Jesus is using the language of household and family. And this is one of those main ideas, household. Right? And even more so, he uses the word least. Right? And he's not talking about short people. Right? He's not talking about little people. He's talking about least as in value or importance. The least people. He's talking about people that are insignificant. People that don't matter. People that society ignores. People that no one else values. Also known as people that can't pay you back. 
See, he's illustrating a point he makes back in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as others. Truly, I tell you, they receive their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not know what your left hand, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that you are giving in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Basically, what Jesus is saying is if you do something for someone and they pay you back, you've received your reward. So he's saying it's much better to do something for someone that can't pay you back. Because then God will reward you. Because God is just. So one way that might help you think of this is, is, uh, is my family, right? So um, praise the Lord, we are getting to the age where my kids can start to do things on their own. And it is fantastic. I mean, it's amazing. So like, I don't have to get out of bed first thing in the morning because I can just tell them, make a bowl of cereal, right? And while Harold and George shouldn't really be trying to make a bowl of cereal, Finnegan, Finnegan and Donald can and so what happens every meal and every morning is my older children take care of my younger children. The older take care of the younger. The able take care of the unable. The greater take care of the least. And that's what Jesus is trying to get us to understand. Is that in his household, those that are able should be helping those that aren't. And that's what it means. When he gives you something... What does he want you to do with it? Take care of his household. But the goats didn't do this. They were like the bad slave, right? They hoarded all the food and drink for themselves. There was a lack of generosity, a lack of care. The foolish virgins, they didn't, they didn't keep enough oil. They didn't stay on task. They didn't stay focused on what was important. Right? Right? They lost sight of the waiting for the groom. And then the wicked servant like buried his talents in the ground and didn't use them. He was wicked and lazy. Right? Then in verse 40, and then he repeats it in verse 45, but the negative, Jesus said, Whatever you did unto the least, you did to me. And I think Jesus is pulling in another idea, another really cool idea. So if we go all the way back to Genesis, surprise, surprise, everyone. If we go all the way back to Genesis, in, verse, in chapter 1, verse 26, 27, it talks about the creation of Adam and Eve, Right? creation of man. And it says that God created man in his image. And that word for image is the Hebrew word tselem, right? It's like starts with the T-S sound, tselem, right? And you can translate it as image, but the Hebrew language also used that for the word idol. So when uh, the Bible is talking about like you know, one of my favorite idols in the Bible is Dagon, the fish god, because I really just wonder what that looked like, right? And it talks about the image of Dagon. They're using the word selim, the same word that God used to describe what we look like, right? 
So let's think about this for a minute, right? We're going we're gonna to do a little thought experiment. Let's say that you are a pagan, right? You're a pagan believer, and you're used to going to a temple, seeing a statue, and like you offer drink or food to that statue, to that tselem, that image of the God to try and curry favor, right? It's a transactional thing. And you're like, here, I want to I wanna give, right? so that I can get or give so that I can be blessed or give so that the God will like me. I'm about to sail on an ocean, so I want Poseidon to not be angry, right? Whatever. And then you get saved, right? And, and you go to church or you go to the Hebrew temple, however you're worshiping, and you walk into the temple. Imagine how confusing it is. Where is the image that I sacrifice to? Where do I leave my offerings of fellowship and love for Yahweh, this God. What Jesus is saying here in this parable is he would say to that convert, he would say to them, look to your right and to your left. Where is the image of God that I give to in order to show my love and my appreciation for Jesus? It's that person next to you. It's that least person. It's that person that can't pay you back. So how do we reveal that God has blessed us? By placing the offerings at the feet of our brothers and sisters. So just like putting that bobbing head cat and that dude on the gym bay together made something beautiful, we can take these two ideas of the image of God and the household of God and put them together and really understand something here. Is that when, when Jesus gives us something, whatever he has given us, whether it's five, ten, or one talent, it doesn't matter. We are all given something. And God expects us to care for the least. And he expects us to take care of his household. So, let us do that. We're going to have some form of missions thing next week. We're going to figure it out. And a beautiful way that we can show God that we love him is by helping send these missionaries as an offering to these entire people groups. These communities and nations created in the image of God that have no knowledge of him. And so that's what I really want us to be praying about. Where can we practically give for global missions, where can we practically give for the missions on our campus? Hey, I know it's been chaotic, and I know it's been crazy, but I'll leave you with that thought. I hope that if you are gathered together, you're wearing masks and being smart. But if not, hop on your little chat groups, man, and, and talk and process, because I know the Lord's speaking to us. Thanks for bearing with us through all the difficulties. We love you guys. We'll see you all soon. Bye.